Thank you for tuning in to the Ask Qubit About Analytics podcast. Our mission is to make analytics practical. This is not about abstract theory, but to share true stories of how using analytics helps real-life businesses with real-life constraints make the best possible decisions to compete, grow, and thrive. I'm your host, A.G. Tan. It's been almost two years since IBM acquired a company called Red Hat. And since then, you may have noticed that IBM has been talking a lot about something called hybrid cloud, which to be honest, doesn't mean a whole lot if you don't spend all your time thinking about IT infrastructure. Certainly for most of our clients who work in business, who do things like financial planning and operational planning and management reporting and so on, it really doesn't resonate, but maybe it should. The purpose of today's podcast is to close that gap. IBM Cloud Pack for Data is the name of the IBM hybrid cloud offering that has been designed for our clients. And that's what we're going to talk about today. My guest today is my friend and colleague over many years, Mike Cowie, who mostly leads software development activities at Qubit, but also plays an important part in determining our technology strategy. So it is with his strategic technology hat on that Mike has been leading an internal research team at Qubit to go under the covers of IBM Cloud Pack for Data to figure out exactly what it is and how it works so we can help our customers navigate it in the context of planning, reporting, and analysis. Welcome, Mike. Hey, thanks for having me. Glad to be here. So, IBM Cloud Pack for Data. Is it even possible, Mike, to describe what it is to someone who is not an IT infrastructure person? I mean, can, can you at least give it a shot? Um, yeah, I, I'll give it a shot. So it's, it certainly um, might seem like something that's got uh, an, an IT um, description to it, but really, if, if you think about it as a, a platform for XPNA, I think that's that's something that I've been trying to envision it as. Um, specifically, having a toolbox uh, that that encompasses all of the types of things that we would want in a platform that was designed for XPNA. So specifically, um, you know, things that help with all types of planning. Um, you know, any sort of predictive capabilities you might need, uh, data management and data quality. Um, these are all things that. Uh, are in the, the toolbox of things that Cloud Pack for Data has. So I, I kind of like to think of it as a, you know, whatever tools you might need to do the job as far as XPNA goes, that's really, I, I think, how I would try to describe it. Not really get into the technical weeds, but think about, you know, the various things that you can pull in out of the toolbox that you might need. And one of the things I think, and, and by the way, I, I think that was a great way to think about it based on my understanding. One of the things that I feel XPNA makes more complicated is the fact that we would like to think we could go to one vendor and buy a planning solution. And that planning solution would just deliver full extended planning and analysis with operational planning and financial planning and sales planning and HR planning and everything integrated. We would like to think that but I think in reality, 
it turns out that you need more than just a planning platform. You need, you need some kind of data piece and you might need a predictive piece. And, and so I guess I'm, I'm wondering whether those are then the tools in the toolbox that you then put together with the planning solution to get to that full XPNA vision that you're looking for. Yeah, and I think the platform offers uh, quite a bit of that. Um, so you touched on a few really important things there as well, which um, the platform is not necessarily designed to lock you into IBM technology. So it does have a lot of IBM tools, but it's also got more of an app store um, that could have third-party tools. And it's also important to remember that the platform allows you to connect to other environments and other systems that live outside of Cloud Pack for Data. So that's that's really powerful in the sense that you might already have solutions for certain parts of that XPNA puzzle, um, which you'd rather just integrate with rather than have to maybe rebuild inside of this platform. So it's really designed to have that flexibility to not just pull in different tools, but also, you know, connect to things that you may already have in your own, you know, current infrastructure. Right. So, so for example, if um, you used um, uh, an ERP system like Oracle or SAP, and you use Salesforce for your CRM system, and you had a, I don't know, a cloud data warehouse in Snowflake, Presumably, you could use CloudPack for data to, to connect to all of these and bring that data together um, for your planning needs. Is, is that the kind of thing you're talking about? Exactly. Um, so when you look at the list of things that IBM CloudPack for data knows how to connect to, it's a, it's a massive list. Um, and all of the things you mentioned are on that list. So it's able to do that. Um, it's able to do that securely. And the other really helpful thing inside of CloudPack for data is there's a an ability to do data virtualization. So for those scenarios where you might have, um, you know, some data from maybe Snowflake and maybe um, some data in CloudPack for data, you know, different sources coming together, um, you can make them look to your applications in CloudPack for data as though they're all part of the same data source. So that doesn't mean building a whole new data warehouse or anything like that. But for those, those times when you need things to look like they're part of one data source, um, you have those capabilities in CloudPack for data as well. Yeah, I know that when we go to customers sometimes, it's almost as though we, we hit two flavors of customers. We have customers who really have not thought too hard about where their data lives and the fact that this data needs to be brought together and it needs to be cleaned up and it needs to be aligned and sometimes it needs to be mapped. So, so there are customers who haven't really thought that much about it. And when we engage with them, it becomes a learning process to, to figure that out. And then there's the other group of customers who have thought about it and, and are completely overwhelmed by it because it just seems like such a big task to, to go to all of these different places and to have to work with the ERP team and have to work with the IT team and have to work with whatever. And when you're a business user and you're not in the business of figuring out data plumbing, <laughs> you know, that, that can be a lot. So um, for either of these constituencies, um, I imagine that's, that's what IBM is trying to target with CloudPack for Data. Is, is that fair? Yeah, and it's not something I think we're um, used to seeing in a, a platform, you know, a single platform, but um, CloudPack for Data has, you know, concepts of users, of course. Um, it also has a lot of 
predefined roles, which you, you can choose not to use every single one of. But the important thing to note is there is a built into that framework is, is the concept of collaboration and um, you know, certain users may only consume things that are developed by other users in CloudPack, um, whereas others might use CloudPack for data to help, you know, provide those pieces of data that are, you know, let's say that, that they've gone through a whole data cleansing process, because um, there are tools to help ensure data quality and, um, you know, find potential problems where maybe, you know, master data between two systems isn't quite the same. Um, so you've got those tools to help both the, you know, let's say developers uh, clean up their data, get it into a, a good shape for consumers to use. And those consumers also would be other users in, in CloudPack for data. So it's definitely designed with that in mind, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, so 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 the App Store analogy is is really an easy one to engage with, I think, right? So it's an App Store um, for basically getting your data from everywhere you need to get it from and you can you can copy the data or you can use virtualization to just see the data and the shape that you need and you can make it ready for your planning and analysis project and and then you can do your planning and analysis modeling whether that's predictive modeling or whether that's driver based modeling and and it's all very nice and neat and tidy so so you know it certainly sounds really good, but but if I were a customer and I were listening to this and wondering, well, um, it sounds pretty good, but it also sounds a little bit complicated. Um, should I take a closer look at this thing? And should I take a closer look at IBM Cloud Pack for data? So, do you have any advice for you know a, a customer who might be listening, who might be a business user or an IT person? Um, who's trying to figure out how to determine whether it's worth a closer look and whether it's a good fit for what you know their business is trying to do? Yeah, I think part of uh, the conclusion I guess I've come to is is um, is really thinking about what problems you face currently. So, if your main problem is um, just lacking sort of one piece of the XPNA puzzle, um, by that I mean if the only thing you're really lacking is is you know, you know, some form of reporting capability or maybe just basic planning analytics type capability. Um, it might be more of a platform than you might need, but if there are a combination of things like better data management, maybe, you know, having the sort of planning capability and also, you know, the other thing to think about is not where you are today and what pain points you have right now, but thinking ahead to, you know, may, maybe I'll want some AI machine learning down the road. So basically, um, you know, build some predictive capabilities into my, my planning process. That, that's kind of where you'd, you'd want to think about that in the sense that this platform is really designed to kind of grow and be added onto over time. Um, and the, the, the last thing I guess I would mention too, and this, this, isn't, this isn't your traditional trial, I would say, but there are ways you can um, you know, sort of do a trial of the environment without having to, you know, stand it up entirely in your own infrastructure or data center or anything like that. Um, now, I would just, I would just kind of caution that if you're going to do that, this is not like a, you know, a sort of single packaged application where you can have a set of steps you go through. I mean, you want to have an actual 
you know, goal of something you want to accomplish as part of the trial process. So, you know, a proof of concept of sorts that you'd want to build out, but um, that is another option as well. So there's there, you know, if you think it could be a fit, it's not something you just have to plunge right into without having a chance to kick the tires a little bit. Oh, so, so if you were interested in, in doing a trial like that, would you just reach out to, to Qubit to, to find out more? Yes, definitely. That is something that we are able to set up through IBM and, and uh, you know, partners that we work with. That's great. So um, you can email info, info at qubit.com if you have any questions about that. And actually, one thing I wanted to um, just bring up is that since CloudPack for Data is part of IBM's hybrid cloud strategy, am I correct in understanding that you don't have to run this in your own data center and you don't have to run it in IBM's cloud, though you could do either of those things if that's what you want to do, but you can also run it in um, Amazon's AWS or in Microsoft's Azure cloud, correct? That's right. Yeah, they've, they've uh, really designed this um, based on um, you know, a combination of things um, like you know Red Hat and Red Hat OpenShift and some other technology. But the, the point is that those are things that have many different hosting options. And even within AWS or Azure, there are you know, different options you could choose based on how much, you know, let's say, help you need managing that infrastructure. So um, they've really made it so that it's very flexible. Um, if you've got your own infrastructure that you'd like to run this on, then certainly it works with that. And as you say, you can go all the way up to a, you know, software as a service type option with IBM's hosting as well. So many options depending on what suits your needs. Yeah, and um, you know, on purpose, we've been focusing very much on the on the business problem aspect of of this, which is what I like to focus on in in, in this podcast. Is really trying to look at it from from how it helps you know real businesses solve real business problems. But I just can't uh, resist indulging my inner nerd a little bit um, and um, just asking about some of the other magic that happens because you're on this Red Hat platform, right? So I think one thing that even a non-technical person can, can relate to is the idea of, well, what happens if I have a memory intensive planning model that's doing a lot of, let's say allocations or something and, and they run out of RAM on, on, on the computer and, and maybe you know, the machine crashes or goes down or slows down incredibly. Um, isn't it the case that when you're running on, on these platforms and on this Red Hat um, hybrid cloud platform, um, you have the ability to have it automatically allocate more resources um, or, you know, on the fly so that you don't run into those limitations or you run into the money. Yeah, I think that's one of the nice things about the platform. I mean, certainly, you know, it's not, it's not just magic. You have to be prepared for some of these things, but it is designed in a way where, let's say you have those kinds of workloads that are maybe very brief but intense, or, um, you know, the thing you describe like an allocations model where you don't run that every day, but when you do run it, it's, it's gonna consume a lot of resources. Um, the platform is built on, um, again, Red Hat, Red Hat OpenShift and something called Kubernetes, which is um, really underneath is all about containerization. And what that means is that the different applications you're using are all in, in containers that can be um, 
quickly scaled up on you know multiple almost like servers to support the workload. Um, now, what that means is if you do have these periods of time where there's a lot of workload, then in the background, the environment can just know how to scale that out so that it supports all the users or all the you know the the calculations and computations that are happening. So, again, you have to sort of configure it with that in mind. But the the important point is you don't have to um, you know have specs for this environment or this server because it's really not just one server that that are based on your maximum workload. You could basically have a fairly you know modest set of servers running most of the time, but then the system would know how to scale up for those brief periods of time and support your workload without you having to invest in a whole bunch of, you know, massive server infrastructure to support that. Yeah, that that makes me think of a situation I know a lot of our clients run into through the years is that you know if they're using, um, uh, if they they're using let's say IBM Planning Analytics or TM1 um, for their annual budget. You know, most of the year, there aren't many people using it. And then once a year for a period of like two or three weeks, they, they might have thousands of people logging in and, and doing stuff in the system. And, and all of a sudden, that's the time when you have this, this peak usage, right? So I can imagine, um, and that's the time when they run into performance problems and whatever. So the idea that the system would automatically on its own figure out how many resources it needs and then have access to those resources um, on the fly it is quite attractive um, you know I, I and and I would think relatable right for somebody who's a budget system administrator yeah I mean it, I think a lot of it is based on that you know that this environment knowing okay I've my I've got four you know servers supporting this application they're all a certain level of busy right now, which means I need to spin up a fifth one or maybe more depending on the workload. So that's really what goes on behind the scenes. And for, for planning analytics and any other application really with, with this platform, the other, um, it's, it's, it's uh, I think there, there's a new version of planning analytics coming that's gonna be much more in line with supporting what you just described. Um, but, the, but the other thing you get, I guess, with this is more of a, a failover. Um, kind of fail safe built into it in the sense that if you've got multiple nodes supporting an application, a node being the term that they use um, in uh, at Red Hat OpenShift. But um, if, if one of those for some reasons has to go down or is having trouble, then behind the scenes that can just kind of happen transparently to users with, with very minimal disruption. So you, you don't run into these scenarios where the single server is all tied up and you've got to basically do a reboot and then all the, all the users have to wait until that server is back up. I mean, it's it's definitely much less disruptive and much less prone to kind of major outages for your users, especially in those busy times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's great. Well, Mike, I thank you so much for so patiently and thoroughly explaining this to us. I really appreciate it. Sure, my pleasure. And um, for our listeners, um, as I said earlier, if you'd like to hear more about this or have any further questions, you can reach out to Qubit at any time at info at qubit.com. Have a wonderful day. Thank you for tuning in to the Ask Qubit About Analytics podcast. Do stay in touch. You can email us at info at qubit.com or check out past episodes and transcripts at qubit.com forward slash podcast. Until next time, 
Take care.